Welcome to Sexology, a podcast that untangles the science of sex and pleasure. And now, with this week's episode, your host, clinical psychologist, Dr. Nazanin Moali. Hello and welcome to another episode of Sexology Podcast. I'm your host, Dr. Nazanin Moali. If you're a new listener, I have a gift for you. I recently curated the list of 101 activity that you can do to spice things up in your relationship. It's completely free. It's my gift to you. You can check out the link in the show notes to download it. Today, we're going to talk about one of my favorite topics. We're going to talk about seduction. I know that we had a previous episode on this topic, but we're going to focus on different angle this time. My guest, Dr. Jessica O'Reilly, will teach us how we can experiment with different seductive style. She's going to teach us on how can we discover our erotic core feeling. I feel like we talked about tons of good specific tips and tricks that you can incorporate so you can elevate your seduction game. And I know that right now it's in the midst of the COVID-19 pandemic. And I myself made some adjustment to my relationship. And I know if you are not living with your partner, it can be difficult perhaps to keep things hot. So Dr. O'Reilly teaches us some strategies you can incorporate today to keep the fire going until uh, you can see your partner in person. Dr. Jessica O'Reilly is a best-selling author, television host, a top-rated international speaker. She hosts different retreats. You can catch her Tuesday mornings on Global TV and Saturdays on Playboy TV as the host of the reality series, Swing. She has tons of accolades. She has tons of publications. So if you're curious to learn more about her, you can read her full bio in the show notes. Without further ado, here's my conversation with Dr. Jessica O'Reilly. Hello and welcome to another episode of Sexology Podcast. I am so excited and honored to have Dr. Jessica O'Reilly on our show. Jess, welcome to our show. Thank you so much for having me. Happy to be here. I am very excited about the book that you co-authored and you guys are so generous. You sent me a copy and a seduction is one of those, those topics that I'm always interested in. And I think there are tons of different things that we all can learn when it comes to art of seduction. I know in the book, you talked about various elements of seductive communication. Can you tell us a little bit about that? Yeah. So my co-author, Marla, talks about the fact that the way we communicate and receive seduction oftentimes depends on our seduction learning style. And so you probably heard of, you know, the learning styles and that we all learn differently. And just as we develop personalities and styles when it comes to seduction and sex, we have a preference for learning styles in the sexual realm. So some of us are visual learners, some of us are auditory learners, others are kinesthetic, others are tactile. And of course, we all learn via multiple styles and these categories can be fluid. But understanding your own seduction learning style and your partner's is one way to figure out how to best communicate your desire and your interests. 
So how can one assess that? Like what, how can we know which, which is our strength and what are some of the areas that we need to focus on when it comes to seduction? Well, we do have a quiz online that people can take and I can send you that in the show notes. But I think that observing the way your partner responds to different environments can be an indication. So Marla will often talk about when you take your partner shopping, are they looking at you know the clothing or the item? Do they want to pick it up? and touch it, uh, you know, which which sense do they tend to lean into most significantly? So when we think about, for instance, visual seduction, so people who are strong in the visual realm tend to like lots of eye contact and they're, they're likely to make more eye contact with you. They may need to clean up the room. I'm like this. I don't like if one little piece of fabric is sticking out of my sliding closet. I find it very distracting. Uh, when they tell stories, if they're a visual learner, they often tell those stories in very rich detail. They're daydreamers and you want to cater to the fact that They love to hear all the little details, drawing out the details of your stories, your dreams, your fantasies. They may be people who are very into fashion and dress impeccably, and they tend to be attracted to the opposite of the room. So if if a room is flowing in one direction and you move in the other, they'll notice you. If you show up a little bit late, if you make a grand entrance, that's probably someone who's a visual learner. Now, people who are more auditory, this isn't just about the tone of your voice and dirty talk. Uh, Yes, the tone of your voice can make a difference. And we have some research showing that the sound of your lover's voice can be a turn on and actually result in increased electrical activity in the skin. But it's more than that. They like feedback. They love to hear themselves speak and they are more likely to like to listen. They love when you play with a range of vocabulary. They're probably people who like words and have more broad vocabulary. They might have an ear for language, speak multiple languages. You might notice that they change their tone often. They adjust their volume. They may be very into music. And so if your partner is more auditory, you, you know, instead of instead of sending a sexy pick to build their arousal during the day, you might send a voice note or you might send, you know, some sort of a sexy sound. And then if your partner is more kinesthetic or tactile, they tend to be really attracted to touch and movement. If you're physically disconnected, they're more likely to get distracted and lose interest. So they may love to dance. They may be really into sports. They may always want to be touching your sweater to feel what it, you know, how it feels under their fingertips. They like to use their hands a lot. And one thing that we suggest in the book, and this also comes from Marla's seduction learning styles, is to figure out your partner's learning style and then plant sex seeds, meaning seeds of interest that come long before when you actually come together. And so in addition to tactile, auditory, and visual learners, there are people who are really into olfactory seduction. So they're very turned on and turned off by smell. So these people might want to light candles in the bedroom or incense. They might be really sensitive to taste and food. They might be really particular about body scents, whether that's perfumes or colognes or, or natural odor. And then, of course, there are people who are more drawn to gustatory seduction. And I think we all fall into each of these categories a little. It's not so cut and dry, but with gustatory seduction, you know, seducing someone with taste is 
such a unique experience. And food and sex have so much in common in that they both elicit a very strong sensory response. And they both involve all of your senses from look, sound, feel, taste, and smell. And just like we can be turned on by the taste of of food or not necessarily sexually turned on, but interested. Similarly, we can be turned on by the taste of someone's lips or tongue or skin. And so if gustatory seduction, if you know your partner, for example, says they're a foodie, they probably want you to pay attention to the the little things like oral hygiene. Uh, They might be more interested in playing with food as part of your seduction. So whether those are aphrodisiacs in the sense of, you know, oysters, which take on the shape of, of the genitals or foods that are high in zinc, like pumpkin seeds or foods that are high in flavonoids like blueberries or maca, which is, has been shown to in some ways support the adrenal glands. They might be more interested in what you eat and set how you set the scene with food before you actually get to the sex. So we think that understanding seduction styles is a really good place to start. And in the book, we describe the seduction styles and also give you really specific instructions as to how you might seduce an auditory learner, how you might seduce a visual learner. So a visual learner, for example, might love it if uh, you know, you're know you playing with a toy when they walk in after they have a shower, or they might be turned on if you, know, you, you assume a position where they get a really nice view of your body, maybe from the profile or from behind. Somebody who's more into, into auditory seduction might really love to just hear a clip of your pleasure. So maybe you're separated right now because many of us are, are separated. And if you're engaging in solo sex, of course, it might be intimidating to take a video. But could you record some of the sounds, even if the sounds are muffled, even if the sounds are just of the sheets rustling beneath you? An auditory learner uh, who is drawn toward auditory seduction can get really turned on just by the sound. And then, of course, you want to become an expert or at least an adventurous and curious dirty talker if your partner is more auditory. And, of course, not everything is sexual. We spend a lot of time on the relational elements of intimate relationships in the book as well. And so it's not just about talking dirty. There are other things you can do to just cultivate intimacy and closeness. If your partner's really an auditory person, maybe you read them a, a book or a short story at the end of the night. Maybe you leave them voicemails instead of sending them text messages or voice notes. We talk often about voice notes and I'm, I'm so obsessed with voice notes because I am an auditory person. And then lastly, if they're more of a, of a tactile learner. Some of the sex seeds you might plant might involve just getting close to them, even at non-sexual times. Maybe they're reading a book and you just rest your head on their lap. Or maybe when you're just going in for a peck, you slip them the tongue and take a moment to lock eyes so that you walk away, leaving them them wanting more. Maybe you touch them when sex isn't possible, touch them when they're busy, maybe fondle them for a few seconds while they're on a call and just to plant the sex seed because we know that anticipation isn't the precursor to pleasure. Anticipation itself is pleasure with dopamine rising as soon as you begin to even think about anticipating a reward. Well, just consider me blown away. 
<laughs> I, when I ask about seduction communication, I know you guys talked about it in the book as well, but I loved how you, and also again in the written content, the bridge between the kind of heady psychological as- aspect of things that I enjoyed to kind of actionable things that could people do. And me and you, we were talking before this that I'm recording, we're recording this in the midst of COVID-19 pandemic situation. And you mentioned that you've been at home for a few weeks and I we are at home. And what I hear from clients that I do video counseling with right now, they kind of feel like his sex is off the table because whether I'm, I cannot be physically close to my partner or I started dating someone, I just don't feel comfortable kind of like seeing them in midst of this. So I, I hear based on these strategies that you're telling us, it's possible. It's not a kind of a linear thing that if you cannot be present with your partner kind of like in the same space, then the seduction stops. So for our listeners that they would like, for example, if dating someone and they want to kind of keep the passion and fire going until this time ends, or they can kind of explore virtual aspect of things and teledildonics, what are some of the recommendations you have about opening this door of sexting and sending visual content to their uh, newly kind of dating partner? I think when we think of sexting, we see it as something highly risky. And in terms of, you know, STI transmission and unplanned pregnancy and any physical risks, there may not be any. But the risk, of course, is that these photos could be shared. So if you've just started dating, just remember that when we're sexting, it's not just photos and videos. We can also send words. We can send voice notes. We can send gifts. You might even send erotic imagery that's in the public domain that isn't you, right? Something that you think might turn them on, but isn't you right away. And if you do decide to sext, think of language first. Think about dirty talk phrases, expressing what you want in terms of the the past, the present, and the future. Remember when we did this. Right now, I'm doing that. When we get together, this is what I'm going to do to you. And I think this can appeal to auditory and visual learners together and, of course, tactile. And if you are going to send pictures, you might want to limit your personal exposure by sharing images of your body from the neck down. By leaving your face out, you can still tempt and titillate you know, a new partner while also minimizing your risk of exposure should the photos ever accidentally or purposefully get leaked. Now, if you have a long-term lover and you're separated and you, you know, you trust one another, you might include your face and you can use a selfie stick to get the better angles. You can play with different lighting. Uh, one thing I suggest to couples who are separated, uh, whether it's temporarily or just, you know, you're at work, is can you choose a different platform through which to flirt and be sexy than you use to talk about getting milk and picking up the kids? So maybe you use your text messages for the daily logistics, and maybe you switch to WhatsApp for the sexy stuff, or maybe you use your text messages and WhatsApp for the daily stuff, and you download an app, like there's one called In The Mood, In The Mood Set A Date With Your Mate, and it allows you to communicate in sexy ways and flirt with different stickers and images and, and basically schedule sex, because for years, Experts have been telling couples to schedule sex, but we haven't always had the tool to do it. So you can play with an app like In The Mood and, you know, get creative and, and fun. And rather than worrying what about what your partner will think is sexy, why not take photos or videos 
that make you feel sexy. So if it makes you feel sexy, they're probably going to like it. And then I also really want to emphasize voice notes because uh, for those of us who are auditory learners, the sound of a lover's voice, even if they're not talking dirty, can be both hot and sexy, but also very soothing. So play with different tones, try a low, soft voice to tell them what you want to do. Ask them for what you want. Tell them what you've been thinking about. Let them know how you want to please them. Be really um, strong in conveying your desire and desperation for their touch. And you can draw these out to have fun. So you might build anticipation by sending one voice note, one sentence at a time over the course of an hour or a day or even longer. And we do, we do offer some really specific dirty talk lines in the book as well. What we're trying to do is share, share with people the theory and what the research says, but then also the action items that you can try right away. So there are, you know, hundreds of ideas and prompts and questions and lines and techniques that you can try on your own. So I, I've briefly spoken about, or not so briefly, because I'm never brief, but <laughs> I've spoken about texting and voice notes, and then maybe you move on to video. If you're separated, certainly video offers a more interactive means of, of sexting and interacting in a sexual way. And one thing to remember is that your video does not need to be live. You can pre-record short clips of yourself in the dark, or you can engage in live chats. It's sort of up to you. If you have a bunch of photos that you like, you can use an app to string those together to create a video or zoom in over body parts. Oh, I, I neglected to mention that when you're sexting, you can zoom in on a body part and send them something that maybe is very difficult to decipher because it leaves something to the imagination. And then if, if you do decide to engage in some sort of video sex and you're feeling a little intimidating, uh, intimidated, which I think is common for many of us, you have lots of options. You can sit in the corner of the camera so they only see you know 10% of your body. You can turn the lights down really low so that they can see the movement, but they can't quite decipher all the contours and shapes and movements and body parts. So, you know, take it easy on yourself and don't feel you have to be a professional porn or webcam performer right away. However, if you do need inspiration, I would consider checking out, uh, checking out webcam models because the adult camming industry is really growing and has some really fascinating and novel approaches to interactive sex. And then finally, of course, we have sex toys. We have, you mentioned Teledildonics, so my favorite sex toy brand. WeVibe has an app called the WeConnect app, and this app allows you to pair your sex toy with your partner's phone. So if they are in Singapore and you are in Los Angeles, you can give them permission to control the rhythm, the speed, the vibrations. They can even create their own vibration patterns. They can set vibrations to beat to their favorite song and there are so many different to toys within this we vibe line so you can get penis rings you can get vibrators bullet vi vibes g-spot vibes uh, they have a i would call it a rabbit vibe but it's it's not called that it's called the we vibe nova which has an internal arm that vibrates against the g-spot and an external arm that vibrates against the head shaft hood of the clitoris and it's it's like a rabbit vibe but it's much, much better because the little rabbit vibes, oftentimes the ears didn't really hit the clitoris on the outside. The way this beautiful Nova is shaped, 
is more likely to rub and press and vibe directly against your clitoris. And so your, your partner can share in the vibes, even if you're separated. They, they have anal toys. They have toys that can be worn during penile vaginal intercourse. They have a whole range, so you can check them out <laughs> at wevibe.com. Well, I love teleatlantics and I feel for people who do want to kind of explore more adventure and kind of explore different things, I think that can be a fascinating realm to explore, even if you're doing it while like from another room that can give you another sensation and experience. And I love that you focused on also when you were talking about uh, uh, sexting on safety, because I know that gives lots of people, men and women, some pause kind of thinking about what would happen if um, this person I'm just dating released a photo. So if there is a way, as you mentioned, like maybe covering your face or kind of like focusing on the body as a way to kind of manage or kind of reduce the risk, they can be more adventurous because I feel like it's, it's on everyone's mind that time. And the other piece that I feel it's very important is kind of exploring that. You mentioned that you don't need to be a porn actor or actresses and it's my experience that it, I can speak to the relationship but if it, that's a partner that you've you've been with before they already saw you and they just the novelty and taboo of you doing something new like sending them a video or sending them an audio that can do wonder so I can definitely if people want interested to learn more about it they can do research on it they can watch things but even just you doing your masturbation in front of the camera or touching different part of your body, as you mentioned, can be very hot. And I think one of the challenge that people have is that they're not necessarily connected with their own core erotic feeling. They don't feel sexy. Therefore, it's just hard for them to kind of convey that message and kind of show up in the relationship with themselves and other in a, a seductive way. So what are some of the recommendations you have for people that if they want to cultivate their core erotic feeling? Yeah, I think this is one of the most important conversations people can have with themselves and their partners about sex. And that is your core erotic feeling. And your your core erotic feeling is the feeling that you require in order to get in the mood for sex. So do you need to feel sexy? Do you need to feel desired, loved, playful, nervous, relaxed, de-stressed, vulnerable, excited, happy, empowered? What is the feeling that is indispensable to getting in the mood for sex? Now, this doesn't mean that every time you feel this feeling, that you're going to get in the mood for sex. But what it means is that if this feeling is not present, sex is off the table. And so once you understand your core erotic feeling, you can make lifestyle and behavioral and attitudinal adjustments to feel more of that feeling. Now, we don't have a quiz for your core erotic feeling because it is a bit more nuanced. And I think that it's important that people spend some time, you know, on self-reflection. So you might ask yourself, first of all, what puts you in the mood for sex? How do you want to feel before sex? How do you want to feel during sex? How do you want to feel after sex? When does sex feel most appealing to you? Do you find that you're most in the mood for sex when you're relaxed or when you feel loved or when you feel joyful or when you feel powerful or when you feel sexy? And so you've got to figure out which is the feeling. I mean, there can be multiple feelings. I don't want to be, you know, hard lined and say you can only have one. But which which is the core feeling that you really need to experience? And then you need to think about what you can do to experience more of that feeling. So as an example, I might say, I need to feel really sexy. 
you know what, I, to have sex, I need to feel beautiful and sexy. And so many people will say to my partner, oh, you know, tell her she's beautiful, compliment her, be really specific. I love your left eyeball. But the reality is that my partner can't make me feel sexy. They can be a part of that process, but I need to make myself feel sexy as well. So what do I do during the day that makes me feel sexy? Well, I might feel most sexy when I perform random acts of kindness, or I might feel most sexy when I get really dressed up in high heels, or I might feel most sexy after I've been to the gym, or I might feel sexy when you know I'm getting a lot done, or when I spend time doing absolutely nothing. And everybody's version of feeling sexy or path to feeling sexy is different. So I need to figure out what is it I, I need to do to feel more of this feeling. And then I need to teach my partner how they can also help me to feel more of it. So it's not necessarily their job, but they can support me. And we go over a list of items to cultivate your core erotic feeling. So let's say my core erotic feeling is sexy. Well, what daily activities make me feel that way? What activities detract from it? How do fundamental activities affect this feeling? Like if I sleep well, what I eat, what adjustments can I make? When do I feel most sexy? So maybe I need to tap more into that experience. Who are the people that I feel sexiest around? What are the messages I received, uh, you know, that made me, that make me feel sexy? And what messages do I need to focus on? Which ones do I need to let go of? And so we really need to change our lives and our lifestyles in order to have better sex lives. It's not as simple as, oh, if you do this technique, if you buy this toy, you know, if you do this quiz, we do need to make attitudinal and lifestyle adjustments and they don't need to be overhauls. They can be small things that support our core erotic feeling. And then once we understand our core erotic feeling, we might find that it's, we kind of always feel that way. Right? Like I say, for example, like if my core erotic feeling was that I need to feel loved, the truth is I kind of always feel loved in my relationship. I'm very lucky and I, I like myself <laughs> and I love myself. <laughs> and, but maybe that doesn't turn me on. And then we start thinking about what we call elevated erotic feelings. And your elevated erotic feelings are the feelings that take sex to the next level. It, you know, these feelings make sex more intense in a very specific way. And it might be related to physical pleasure or a psychological thrill or emotional fulfillment or intimate connection or even a spiritual experience, any benefit that you derive from sex. So, you know, your, your core erotic feeling might, need, might be that you need to feel really relaxed. Okay, so you have to change your lifestyle so that you feel more relaxed when you get into bed at night if that's the time you have sex. And then your elevated erotic feelings could differ from day to day. Maybe one day, I just love the thrill of threat. I love threat and risk. And so in a loving, respectful relationship, we can explore some of that thrill and risk. And I don't even need to be in a relationship to explore my elevated erotic feelings. Obviously, I can do that while I masturbate. I might fantasize about something really subversive, something really dangerous. Maybe it's unprotected sex with, you know, 10 different strangers in a forest. And I can let my mind wander there because the things I fantasize about don't necessarily need to be reflected in reality. Not that you can't have sex with 10 strangers in a forest, but I don't suggest unprotected sex with partners that you don't know and that you haven't been tested with. But anyhow, uh, you know, you when we think about sex, we tend to think about physical experiences. And what we're trying to get people to do is look at the multi-dimensions of sex. The physical, psychological, the emotional, the intimate, and for some people, the spiritual, and that's not an exhaustive list. And so when we think about feelings, we can identify themes within our own fantasies. 
Well, Jess, I love that you focused on the feeling is something that people have kind of agency and control over it. Because sometimes in my office, my clients coming in and saying that my partner doesn't make me feel this way. And I always say, no one can make you feel a certain way. As you mentioned, you can guide them and give them feedback on how to, what to say, how to react. But we are in charge of our feeling. And I feel like I hear at times kind of a resignation from some of my clients that, you know, my partner does not do this. Therefore, I cannot feel that way. And I'm not feeling sexy. I'm not, I feel tense. I feel unattractive. But I like that you mentioned that it's, it's important for people to make lifestyle changes that makes them feel sexy. And I think it's really, really important to focus on feeling sexy versus wanting to look sexy. There's nothing wrong with being look, looking sexy, but sometimes because of the focus on media, on appearance, people like some of, especially my female clients, they don't know what sexy feels like. They know what it looks like and they get obsessed that I'm, unless I'm going to achieve this specific body that's not even feasible given my height and my shape and my race, then I, I will not be sexy. So it's important to assess and kind of evaluate, okay, what, what are small steps that you can take to cultivate that feeling? And the other piece is like getting good at giving feedback to your partner about what helps you feel a certain way. And you can kind of like also adding the level of kind of that elevated erotic component, which is very fascinating. You mentioned, you talked about scheduling sex, and that's one of the ongoing conversation I have, especially with my long-term couples, the ones that are busy. And if A, people want to have spontaneous sex and they feel scheduled sex is boring, it says something is wrong with the relationship? What's some of your thoughts about that? Well, I would say, first and foremost, that sex is always scheduled. Even in the beginning, when you think it's spontaneous, it's not spontaneous. You make plans to go on a date, you get dressed, you groom yourself, you shave, you wear the right underwear, you carve out time in your schedules, you take time to flirt with one another. And then, yeah, maybe you you tear off each other's clothes at the end of the night and it feels spontaneous, but nothing about an early date is spontaneous. You scheduled that time for that to happen. Now, as we get busier and as we get into our routines, of course, we have to schedule everything in order to prioritize what matters to us. So my alternative to scheduling sex is to secretly schedule sex. So you've probably heard that scheduling sex is is the norm for busy couples, but I know that it detracts from the thrill of so-called spontaneity. So for the most part, everything we do in life isn't spontaneous, but we do surprise one another. So can you take turns secretly scheduling sex? So rather than designated designating like, oh, it's Tuesday night, date night, take turns where you each plan to initiate sex once a week or once a month or however often it is you have sex once a day, I don't know. And so you decide in advance what you're going to do to initiate sex and you make a mental or calendar note so that you follow through. And then sex isn't always predictable, at least for one partner, because you're taking turns. And it also encourages you to share in the task of initiating sex. And I think this is really important because we don't want the onus to fall on one person alone. That's great. And I, I love that about talking about the taking turn. And when I, when I sometimes have this recommendation for couples, especially if there is a desire discrepancy, I, I recommend them to start with a partner who usually don't initiate. So they yes. kind of like start the initiating so they can change the cycle. Because sometimes when we are in those relationships that are kind of our rhythm are different, the rhythm is different. 
it's hard to kind of like some sometimes the higher desire partner feel rejected. So I think it's important to kind of be mindful of that. So you talked about scheduling sex. We talked about exchanging seductive notes and sexting. Do you have any other tips for busy couples that they want to kind of rekindle or increase or elevate their sex life? I mean, first and foremost, if you wait until you're in the mood to have sex and wait until time spontaneously appears, it won't happen. So we do need to consider having sex when we're not in the mood. And I'm not suggesting that anybody do anything they don't want to do. But if you find that you're not in the mood and you wish you were in the mood, sometimes you have to do something physically to get in the mood before your mind follows. So I might not be in the mood tonight and my partner might come on to me and I might just say, no, 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 I'm tired. I'm going to sleep. And that's fine. But another night he might come on to me and I'm not in the mood and I might say, you know what? I'm not in the mood, but let's do this for five minutes and see where it leads. Or I'm not in the mood, but go down on me and we'll see where I'm at in two minutes. Or I'm not in the mood, but let's read this book together that kind of gets me turned on. And so waiting until you're in the mood for sex may result in never having sex. So that's one thing to remember. So sometimes you have to get turned on first, and then you remember that sex feels good and you get in the mood. And then there are, you know, lots of little things you can do, whether it's consuming erotic material, movies and books, or fantasizing, or using toys, or taking turns. Oftentimes, I find that we wait until we're both in the mood, and that's even less likely. So if I'm in the mood and they're not, maybe they can, he can loan me a hand. And another night, I'll, I'll reciprocate. And it doesn't have to be 50-50. But I do think taking turns is a good idea. Uh, Certainly setting the scene and as Marla says, planting those sex seeds throughout the week is of paramount importance because you're not a light switch. You can't go from talking about your taxes or your kids' diapers to all of a sudden being like, oh, yeah, here, you animal, let's do this. Really, we need to be weaving eroticism throughout the day. And then my last piece is really around mindful sex. And I do have a full online course on mindful sex that I think is, I think it's a life changer. I think that if people actually put in the effort with breathing exercises, visualization exercises, touch exercises, learning to receive pleasure, slowing down, and trying different types of touch beyond, you know, what we see in porn or beyond just techniques for the penis and vulva. I think it really can change the way we look at sex and help us to get in the mood, even when we're tired, even when we're busy, even when, you know, your partner's attractive, but maybe not that exciting because you've been stuck with them in the house for a week or two. I love all of those recommendations and also kind of like going back to what you said earlier with kind of core erotic feeling. It's like reminded me of one of my favorite concepts that comes, I borrowed it from Esther Pearl that she talks about cultivating your own secret garden because I feel unless you are feeding in that to that your erotic part of yourself, it would be hard to kind of be more energized to have sex. So I, I, I think the recommendation of kind of like not necessarily closing the door to having sex when you're not necessarily open to it. But like I, I tell my clients, if you're feeling neutral about it, perhaps if you want, you can give it a chance. So of course, if Great you are point. like zero at out of 10, then that would be no point for most of people. But if you are at five, then maybe that would be a time that you can have this conversation of, honey, maybe you can get down on me. Honey, maybe you can give me a massage and we'll see how I feel. And you can talk to your partner about this. This is a new approach I'm adopting so that they know that like this is like you're going slightly outside your comfort zone to kind of increase the kind of like the energy and sexual energy in the relationship. So I know you guys have the book as we talked about and referenced that and I think it has it's 
full of great tips and kind of hands-on strategies that people can kind of implement in their uh, solo practices and also with their partner. So please tell us more about the book. Sure. It's called The Ultimate Guide to Seduction and Foreplay, and it's going to be available on April 14th in all the small local booksellers, which we encourage you to visit, as well, of course, on the, the big guys on Amazon and um, the bigger book chains as well. So yeah, it's, it's the authors are me, Jessica O'Reilly, and my co-author, who I hope you can speak to at a future time because she's brilliant, Marla Renee Stewart, and it's The Ultimate Guide to Seduction and Foreplay. And I, as I mentioned, I read it. I enjoyed it. Thank you for sharing a copy with me. And yeah, I, I, I think it would be helpful for many people. Thank you so much for coming on this show. I'm sure our listeners really appreciate it because of how open and how helpful the strategies and tips that you mentioned was for, at least for me, and I'm sure it was for many of our listeners. Thank you so much and hope we'll have you in the show near future. Thank you. Have a great one. I hope you found our conversation helpful with teaching you additional tools to improve your seduction game. I love the recommendation of recording sexy memo or sounds. And as I shared with you guys that uh, we are, my husband and I were doing social distancing at home because he's a physician and he gets exposed during this time to COVID-19 clients. So it would be interesting how would he respond to a few of the tips that I learned today. I'll keep you guys posted on that. Let me know what you think. Definitely check out Dr. Jess's book and let me know what you think. I'll talk to you next week. Thanks for listening to Sexology Podcast. For more great content, visit www.com sexologypodcast.com. Please be advised that information presented on this podcast is not a substitute for seeking help from a licensed mental health provider.